Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. To you, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Samuel. Chapter 24, it's at the very end of all the Samuels, and I want to say uh, thank you for allowing me um, last week to just go and spend some time with family. Uh, I don't like to miss. I kept trying to come up with a time to, to be gone for a weekend and take a weekend off, but I just never felt right, so I sincerely appreciate you guys being gracious and let me take a week to go and, and be there, but I really like being here with y'all. It's my, this is my favorite right here. And so it's good to be back. It's good to be back with you guys. I had another message planned for this morning, um, and the Lord changed it. And so there's that. So we'll see how it goes. So if you're like, man, that just wasn't a very well put together sermon this morning, exactly. Um, but I guarantee you this, it is the word of the Lord for this morning. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, what we see, and if you have headings in your Bible, you're going to see that um, there's a few headings here where David sins against God. Now, David is, man, oh my goodness, he's been um, good for me in so many ways, um, because David is, he's king of Israel, and God calls David a man after his own heart. But if David did so, like, like if our pastor's or leaders did some of the stuff David did, we'd be calling for their heads. Right? And yet God, not there wasn't, not there, there wasn't consequences for David's sin, as we're going to see. There was consequence. David would mess up, and there was judgment, and there was consequence. But the Lord, he did not, the scripture says that the calling of the Lord is without repentance. It means God doesn't change his mind about what he's called you to just because you screwed up. That's grace. Now we got to be like God and say, okay, you screwed up, but your calling is still, we got to be like that, right? We got to be like that because we're supposed to be like him. We're supposed to be like him. So we see in Chapter 24, David sins, and in verses 10 through 17, there is a judgment against David's sin, and it affects his entire nation. The sin of David affects his entire nation. And that, like, we have to realize sometimes our sin will affect more than just us. And that, I think that's some of the harshest penalties of sin. It's like, it'd be nice if my sin only affected me, but the reality is sometimes when we sin, it splashes out on the people around us. And so we come to verse 18, and it says here that Gad, and that's the prophet of the Lord to David, that Gad came to David and said to him, because David's saying, you know, I've sinned, and how can I repent of this? And Gad says, go up, and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Arana looked down, he saw David and his servants coming toward him. 
And Arama went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. It was like Jamie was saying when we were worshiping a little bit ago that our God, he, he's a powerful God that we should be reverent towards. Yes, God wants to be our friend, but he could also end us in a, like, with no effort at all. Like the wrath of God is a real thing. Can you imagine being this man and here comes the king and you don't know if he's coming with favor or with wrath? There's a reason people in olden times when they saw a king coming, they got down on their face because it was like, look, if you're angry at me, please don't kill me. I'm, I'm humble. I'm your humble. Like, And Arana said, why has my Lord the king come to his servant and David said to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people what had happened was David sin had caused a plague to kill 70,000 70,000 of the people in his nation because of his sin because of his sin then Arana said to David let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. And I just want to pause here to say all these things are things that this man will need for his farming operation. The yoke for his oxen to pull the plows, the the different threshing floors, things so he can do the jobs that he needs to do to work, and he's offering them to the king freely. All this, O king, Arana gives to the king. And Arana said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Arana, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. And if you turn your page, what you'll find is that's the waste. First and second Samuel ends. That's, that's the story the writer ends on. Is with, guess what? David messed up one more time. He messed up one time. He sinned one more time. I mean, it's funny because if, if you have headings, you, you rewind and it's chapter 23 that says David's last words. And yet, then we have this story that follows at the very end. Like, this is the last thing that the writer wanted to remind you about David. We, we find ourselves today as a people who, who we, we we're so used to coming to church. We're so used to in our culture. And, and it's, it's so much less so now than it used to be this Christian culture. But here in the Bible Belt, we still find that sometimes we, we act Christian rather than actually live a life of sacrifice to the Lord. 
And it's easy for, for any of us to do, to get into the routine habits of day to day that what we're doing is, um, is not actually sacrifice any longer. So um, it, it's spring, and this is when all these little lambs and calves and different things are being born. Have you guys seen these little guys all over the pastures all around here? And it's so much fun because, like, you're driving along, and there's all these little calves, all these little baby lambs. And, and down our road, there's, there's a pasture with all these little um, baby lambs. And we were, we were driving, I think we were driving to school the other day. I can't remember. And uh, as we were pulling up, it was a sunshiny morning. It was kind of nice. And there's this one pasture, and it was all these little, little baby lambs just all just jump around with their moms and playing, like, headbutting each other and all this stuff. And of course, you know, I have two girls and they just go crazy for this kind of stuff, you know. And uh, so we, we pulled over and I do too. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, oh, um, I grew up with brothers, but now I'm a dad of girls. So I've never used the word cute so much in my life as like that first year after my daughter was born. I'm like, everything's cute. Oh, my goodness. Um, that first day pink came into the house. I was just like, man. Um, so we're pulled over looking at all these these little lambs, and there's this one that's just like, just white, like just bright white little lamb. And it occurred to me, and I, and I tried to convey this to the girls, but it was really hitting me, and I was trying to explain it to them, but like, can you imagine like that these lambs are your livelihood, right? And, and uh, living in, in Carroll County, like if you ever go to the fair, everyone's showing off their goats and their sheep and all this stuff, and, and you just... You have the best in show, man. Those things go for a lot of money, right? Can you imagine all your little lambs being born and going out there and finding your best one and saying, okay, you, I'm setting you aside this year. And all year long, you take care of this lamb. It's your most special, special lamb. You're going to take care of it more than any of the others because it's the best. It's the one without any blemishes. It's your perfect lamb. You care for it more, and your kids probably get attached to it more because you're taking care of it more than all the others. And then you come to the time to go to the temple and offer a sacrifice, and which lamb do you take with you? You, you take this one lamb. Maybe your kids have even named it. And that's the one you bring to the altar at the temple to have killed and burnt as a burnt offering to the Lord. Like, can you imagine? Like, I think about Abraham and Isaac. Like, God tells Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And he doesn't have any kids. And he tries to come up with some kids on his own. That doesn't work out real well. And so God finally gives him Isaac. He finally gives him the son that he promised. And he says, now what I need you to do is sacrifice him. Like I need you to take him up and sacrifice him. I need you to give him back to me. And I know we know this story, but can you imagine it like for a moment with your own child? Walking up that hill. Could I imagine walking up that hill with the wood and the knife 
and the fire and my daughter Kai going, hey, dad, where's. uh, Where's the lamb? Where's the sheep for this thing? I'm just going to tell you, I don't I couldn't do it. And here's Abraham with so much faith in what God's word that he will be the father of many nations that he like I believe that he believed that he God would resurrect Isaac like I believe it like he knew something that we don't know and then for him to tie his son up and lay him on that altar that he had built and pull out that knife I mean he pulled out the knife I think if it were me I would time up and just stand there and wait a while i i I just he pulls out the knife and god stops him and then provides a substitute so he doesn't have to sacrifice but the willingness in his heart to sacrifice the thing that he loved more than anything else it would cost him something And I see David, and he realizes he sinned against the people. And here is this man saying, I'll give you everything you need to make the sacrifice. And David's like, no, I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. And so many times we're guilty of giving God things that won't cost us anything at all. The other day, someone needed a little bit of money, and I was like, sure, I'll help you out. And they were so grateful. The reality is, I was fine. Uncle Joe Biden gave me a little extra cash last week. Cost me nothing, guys. I gave them something that cost. Now the rest is spoken for. Okay? So just everybody chill, all right? Goodness. Hey, everybody heard Pastor Drew. Um, but it, it was nothing. Now it meant something to them, thank God. Do you realize what's the difference David was going to get the threshing floor either way. Like the sacrifice would have looked exactly, the sacrifice would have looked exactly the same. The oxen, the yoke, the wood, the altar, it would have looked the exact same. One, it would have cost Arana, the other one it cost David, but it's the exact same altar, the exact same place, with the exact same material. What's the difference? The difference is, is the cost for David. And this is what Jesus started railing against the religious people of his day, right? He's like, you're really good at going through the sacrifice, the ritual of the sacrifice. You take the animal, you kill it, you burn it, you do the whole thing. You're going through the motions. You have, what he says, a form of godliness, but your heart is far from me. So, like, where's your heart? Like, guys, where's your heart? Like, I I can't answer that question for you. Right? Because some of you, I think, are pretty spiritual. But I don't know if you're offering a sacrifice on Hirana's altar or not. Or if it's actually your own. I can't tell from where I'm standing as your pastor. Like, like what, what is it that you have that you're giving to the Lord? I, um... 
I had the privilege of preaching to our youth on Wednesday night. These guys are awesome. And uh, um, something that we've lost, especially during this COVID, is, is just the reality of this place up here. We, I don't know if you guys know, this is called an altar. We call this an altar. And it, we're not going to kill things on it and burn anything. Um, our insurance company wouldn't like that. And I don't want to be considered a cult either. And besides that, the blood of Jesus is now our sacrifice. So we don't do that. But in the tradition that we've grown up and we've called this place the altar because it's a place that we come, not that you have to come, but it's a place that we come and we get on our knees in a position of humility and, and we like, we give God the things that we were holding on to so that He can have them and burn them up. Like when I was in high school, like this spot right here was a spot I spent so much time just giving things to the Lord. And I was a teenage boy. Teenage boys have lots of things they need to give to the Lord. Just giving and surrendering to the Lord. And yet, sometimes it happens so much that it, we could get pretty good about faking coming to the altar, right? I remember one day, my dad preached a great sermon. Everyone came to the front, and my mom, she came right over here, I remember. And man, she was on her knees. Everyone started getting up, going back to, uh, to their chair, and she just stayed there and stayed there and stayed there. And finally, after what seemed like an eternity, she got up, wiped her eyes, and went back to her chair. And afterwards, I was like, Mom, like, God really did a work in you today. And she said, I fell asleep. <laughs> she fell asleep at the altar. Woo. I was like, are you kidding me? She's like, nope. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we thank God for the peace of the Lord in this church, right? That some of you have the peace of the Lord while I preach sometimes. Um, oh, I'll just keep moving. Um, it's fine. I'm just glad you're here. I'm just glad you're here. Um, I will say, I, I tell my nephews, you're always welcome to just stand and pace at the back. You won't bother me at all. Um, but sometimes we can get really good at faking a sacrifice. And we even got really good about coming up here and, and, and faking a sacrifice. And, and can I tell you, though, through, through the pandemic and through the effort of trying to remain socially distanced, what we've done is we've like removed any like don't come up here because you might catch something or what like this fear has gripped us and I'm going to tell you on Wednesday night when I was preaching to our young people and I gave an altar call that these young people they came to the altar not to appear religious because some of them never seen this kind of thing before they came to the altar to talk to God and lay some things down. They put some things on the altar so that the Lord could burn it and kill it and get it out of their lives. This morning as I was coming up to the men, if you're ever wondering what they're doing up here in the mornings, these guys are just praying for the service that day. Um, you're always welcome to join. Um, but I heard Shane talking in... in Hebrews, he was quoting 
Hebrews chapter 15, which is great because I was like, I just walked up to the group and uh, I felt like the Lord was shifting me to this sermon today. And this is what Shane quoted. He said, through him, that's Jesus, then let us continue, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. And it says, do not neglect to do good, to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God, like, like bringing a sacrifice of praise. Like when we come in here in the morning and we're about to sing and sometimes we don't feel like it, like I just, I just don't feel like worshiping you today, God. Like, I, like sometimes I just don't, not that anything even was wrong. Maybe I'm just tired. I didn't get enough coffee or whatever. Or maybe it was just a crummy week. I don't know, whatever it is. There's those times we just want to stand there and like, like, the idea of bringing up a sacrifice, but God, if I, if I lift my hands, it's embarrassing to me. When God's asking for you to sacrifice your own wants and desires, how is it sacrifice if it's just all the things you want? And I'm not saying you have to lift your hands in worship. That's between you and God. It's not like next week we're going to be going around with the list saying, all right, let's see everyone with their hands up. I guess I need to preach that sacrifice sermon again. No, that's not, that's not the point. Like, I, the, you know what that is for you. Like, you know. I can't be your God. All I can say is, y'all, the Lord wants a sacrifice of praise. Now, what does that look like for you? And if you don't know, then find a man or woman of God in your life and say hey I feel like God is saying he wants me to sacrifice praise but I don't know what it looks like for me can you help me figure that out and it's not just in here on Sunday morning it's when we leave this place that our lives be a sacrifice of praise like the fruit of our lives so that as we walk around there's a sacrifice I, I was reading this this lady wrote a blog and she was talking about how um um do people do blogs still anymore but she was she was talking about how she moved to a new city. When she got there, she started volunteering at this, at this food kitchen, and she was putting in so many hours, and she was giving her best there, and that um, she helped reorganize the way they did all their, their meals and their foods and their handouts, and she was able to reach more people, and she was able to, she was able to, and she, and she, and she. And she realized that this was not a sacrifice at all. Because she realized her volunteer ministry to minister to those less fortunate in her community was not about her community. It was all about her. She was offering something to the Lord that cost her nothing. Even though she was giving a ton of her time and effort and resources to it it was all about her and what what about me like what about drew what what am i offering to the lord that's just all about drew now let's say it's not about i guess i need to stop volunteering at that thing that's not the answer right please don't quit youth ministry please don't quit children's ministry we need you we need you I'm not asking for a shift of what you're doing. I'm asking for a shift in your heart to not just have a form of godliness, 
and deny the power thereof, but to actually lean into the Lord with everything that we are to offer Him something that He's worthy of. And, and part of the reason I'm moving into this today, part of the reason I was thinking about it is we have Easter coming up here in a couple of weeks. This day where we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, which is going to be an awesome day to celebrate. But realizing that there is no resurrection if there's not first a death. Do you realize that? There's no miracle of resurrection if there's not first a death. And how crazy it is for us. Like we really believe that someone died and came back from the dead. That's a crazy thing to believe. But first it requires sacrifice on our part. And that's why Paul, he says, I die daily. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And it's a death to self. And you might be thinking, I think you've preached this before, Pastor Drew. Yeah, but it's something we have to do like all the time. Like, I forget. Does anybody else just forget sometimes? Like, man, I don't like the way this day's going. And the Lord's like, hey, I didn't think this day was about you. God, I really like this lamb. It's my favorite. I thought that was mine. And this whole idea of the cross, and you've, you've heard me say it before, this whole idea of the cross was a concept, an idea to the people at the time. It was offensive to them. Not this beautiful thing that we wear on t-shirts today. It's a thing that insulted them. That when Jesus would have said it, they would have been like, what are you talking about? You want me to do what? In Romans chapter 12, And if I can get, hey, Zach, there you go. In Romans chapter 12, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And oh, my goodness, if I could just like rip all the churchiness out of your brain for a moment, because you some of you've heard this verse a hundred million times, um, probably not that much, but I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of like. I appeal to you. Like, I, I'm begging you. Listen to me, please, is what he's saying here. I'm begging you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Like, I'm, I'm begging you to be a sacrifice of praise to your God in everything that you do. And it says to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Like the things that actually have true worth will not be things that you think are actually valuable. You know what I think is actually valuable? Having a little extra money. You know, I think is valuable being comfortable on my couch. Like that's valuable to me. You know what's valuable to me? Just being around people I like to be around. Not like, like avoiding people with problems. 
You're like, wait a minute, I have problems. You don't want to be around me? I'm just telling you what's comfortable to me. But that's not what God has called us to as, as people who sacrifice. He's called us to offer up our entire bodies as a living sacrifice. So that why? So we can, and when the renewing of our minds, so that we can discern what is the will of God. Say the will of God. Say, what does God want? So there's what God wants and there's what you want. And so many times there are odds with each other. And my prayer all the time is, God, let my will be your will. In fact, when Jesus taught us to pray, what did he say? He said, not my will, but what? Yours be done because our will is stupid. Our will is selfish. And so here's, here's John the Baptist, right? Here's John the Baptist. His ministry is growing. People are coming to him right and left. He's baptizing. He's got disciples. Things are going great. Jesus shows up and steals part of John's church. And off they go. And when people ask John about it, like, what is going on with that? Jesus, John says, here's the reality. I must decrease and he must increase. Like, it's not about me at all. And he sacrifices his ministry. That we even be able to discern the will of God. God, what do you want versus what do I want? Now, I know this is the part of the sermon you think Pastor Drew starts talking about sin. But I talk about, like, I shouldn't be getting drunk and watching porn. Shouldn't be using drugs. Shouldn't be sleeping around. I think we all know those things. What about this? I, keep, I kept trying to avoid this all morning, but I'm going there anyway. In Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 10 it says this. It says, to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And it lists all those things. If you read the verses about it, it lists all those bad things. But what I'm talking about this morning is not just all the bad things, but what about the good things, right? That appear to be sacrifice. The volunteering and the doing and the, all the good stuff. Like it appears like it's costing us something. But what about all the things that look like the right thing, but they're not pleasing to the Lord? That's what it said in Romans 12. That's what it's saying here in Ephesians 5. That's what Jesus says in his prayer. Like, what about your will, God? What do you want? What is pleasing to you? And so as we were talking on Wednesday night to the youth, so much of the time we, we think about what is bad and what is the opposite of bad. Good. There's bad and good, and that's what Christianity is, is knowing good and bad and do the good and forget the bad. But, but the reality is with sacrifices as soon as we have to sacrifice the bad, and let's be honest, right? The bad is enjoyable sometimes. There's pleasure in sin for a season, the Bible says. Sometimes bad is fun. Sometimes bad is pleasing. Bad makes you feel good. For a while. But I don't think for the believer that the opposite of bad is good. I think for the believer... The opposite of bad 
is what is pleasing to the Lord. Because it can be good and not be pleasing to the Lord. It can look like an altar set up for a king, but it costs him nothing. So it's not pleasing to the Lord. I will not give the Lord that which costs me nothing. And so my question for you this morning isn't, what are you doing bad that you need to get rid out of, of your life? You already know that. But it's also this, what are you doing that is, isn't pleasing to the Lord that he's asking for? He's saying, give it up. Give it up for me. I desire your heart, not your actions. Everyone else there thinks you're doing great, but you're a phony and you know it. Maybe you're not a complete phony. Maybe it's just one little area, right? Like, well, I'm not, hang on, Pastor Drew, I do all right. And I'm not just trying to pour guilt on you this morning. Do you realize where I'm standing in the position that I am? I want the best for your life from God's perspective, not my perspective. You know how great it would be if we were just a church of people who all looked really good? It'd be kind of fun. Everyone would be like, oh, you know that Forerunner Church, that F-Hop? That's some of the greatest people there. And we'd be just as fake and phony as ever. A form of godliness. But what if we were a group of screwed up people who were really trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord? Who really wanted to know, God, what makes you happy, not me happy? Will you stand with me this morning? I just want you to bow your head for a moment because this is, this is what I, where I'm going to go. Up here this morning, we have an altar. Maybe it's been a while since you've been to the altar. This morning, if you feel that you need to come up here and lay some things down, I'm asking you to come. Maybe you don't need to. I don't want to just put this thing of trying to get a bunch of people on the altar this morning. I, I want you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit for yourself. And I'm just going to trust that that's what you do. But this morning, there's some things in your life that you need to give to the Lord you need to lay down and sacrifice because the reality is that's what Jesus did he who knew no sin was made to be sin Jesus laid down his life he sacrificed himself so that we might be brought to newness of life and so we're just going to pause for a moment if you need to pray at your chair, pray at your chair. But I'm asking this morning, some of you have been waiting to get in this altar since COVID began. I'm asking you to come and be in this altar and respond to the Holy Spirit in whatever way He leads you this morning. Jesus, we thank You for Your love and Your mercy and Your grace. We're thankful 
You never leave us or forsake us. We thank you for the sacrifice. And God, as we stand here in your presence, each one of us examining our hearts, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would put his finger on those areas of our lives that aren't surrendered and sacrificed to you. Lord, this morning we we give up. We give up our notoriety. We give up our reputation for the sake of you. Some of us have held back because we're afraid of what other people think. God, we, we give up that fear. We sacrifice it now. God, this morning there's some here that need to Surrender some bitterness. Sacrifice some unforgiveness. God, we lay that unforgiveness and bitterness down at your feet this morning. Lord, our time this morning we lay our time at your feet and say, Lord, how do you want us to be using our time? As you continue just to pray and just reverently focus on the Lord, if you have any kind of needs this morning, our, our leadership and elders want to take time to pray with you. Any kind of physical need or Anything going on in your life, we want to agree with you in the Word of God. We want to lay hands on you, anoint you, and pray with you. We invite you to come this morning.
Jesus tells this really awesome story. You guys know it. Of this guy, he, he's knocking around in a, a field one day and he finds a treasure hidden in the field. And so what does he do? He, he goes and he sells everything he owns and he buys the field because because of the treasure that's in the field. I think this is one of those places in Scripture where it has like this, these layers of, of meaning to it. Because I, I, that's, that's us, right? Like we find Jesus and we're supposed to abandon everything else and put everything in him, right? But do you realize that story is about Jesus and you too? Like, like he sees a treasure in you and so he sacrificed everything and bought you with a price so that you are completely his, that you are completely valuable. Like he sees treasure in you and you think I'm just a field, right? He's like, no, no, no. There's a treasure in you. There's a treasure in you. And so my prayer is that we'll be like, we be like Jesus, that he sacrificed everything, that we would sacrifice everything. And I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful that Jesus endured the cross so that we can have life. It, it was my sin that held him there. Are you grateful for the cross this morning? Jesus, we thank you that it was love that held you there. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made so that we could have life. God, we thank you for the, for the death of your one and only Son, that through him we might truly live. Thank you for seeing a treasure in us. Thank you for buying us and redeeming us with your blood. So God, that we would walk out of this place today as people that walk worthy according to the calling which we are called. And it's in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.